While I have this opportunity, I do want to thank the church for who you've been and how you've been over these last year and a half, two years that we've walked through this pandemic. We have not lost our faith. We have stayed faithful. Uh, you have been patient. You have been kind. You've not allowed the enemy to step in and distract us from what God has called us to do to seek first the kingdom of God. Our church has been faithful in its giving and continuing to support the ministries that go all around this world. You continue to engage and be on campus when we allow you and when you can. And then even through this Sunday at a last minute notice, you have been kind-hearted and uh, supportive. So let's continue to pursue the Lord one day at a time. If you'll be watching our webpage this week and social media, we'll be posting later in the week exactly where we're at. We fully anticipate being back to a full schedule. If you have your Bibles, though, let's jump in. We're in the Psalms this summer. We're going to be in Psalm 37 today. You know, you can read through your Bible and still not know the truth. You can read through the whole cover to cover, and you can say, I've read through the Bible, and that does not mean that you have absorbed the truth or even understood the truth. You can listen to a preacher preach a sermon and still not know the truth. There are verses that have been quoted throughout human history that have been spread from generation to generation, and many of those truths landed in the land of truth, and others seem to be misquoted and misunderstood. For example, I'm sure you've heard the verse, I can do all things through Christ. Can I get an amen from the congregation? Aren't you glad? You can even do COVID uh, through the power of the Holy Spirit. But so many people have used that verse in a misappropriated way. Uh, I've seen, especially when I was growing up, watching boxing all the time when it was a popular sport, I remember several boxers would always quote Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through Christ, include pummel your face in Jesus' name. I can do that all through Christ. Uh, the verse, by his stripes we're healed. Again, that verse is true. We are healed by his stripes. The context of that verse, while God is a God who heals, while he is the great physician, and I believe God heals uh, and can heal a disease, can heal our hurts, can heal us emotionally. He is our healer. This verse speaks of our eternal healing. That context, by his stripes, why did he take the stripes? Why was he beaten? That whole uh, verse speaks to how we were set free from eternal damnation and how we were healed from the disease of our sin. How about this one that you probably grew up with? God helps those who help themselves. Find a verse for me. Find that verse in Scripture. I really would like to see that, but that has been passed on. Another one for some of you who were sloppy in life, cleanliness is next to? Find the verse. It's not there. It's, uh, there are principles that exist, but all these things that people will quote or look to as if it's truth from God's Word and yet not in full context. We'll see that today in Psalm 37. Uh, a lot of people know the verse that's in this passage that we're going to focus in on. That God will give you the desires of your heart. That God will give you the desire. Matter of fact, there are those who would preach God is obligated because of that verse that whatever you desire, God has to give you the desires of your heart. Well, let's take a look at it. It's Psalm 37. Let's see what actually is being promised in that verse. Go to verse 4. Delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. That is the truth of God's word. But what is that truth saying? Well, it is saying God will give you the desires of your heart. Now, that's good news and that's bad news. 
What do you mean? How can it be good news and bad news? Well, according to the first part of the verse, it's good news when you are delighting yourself in him. If you aren't, if you aren't delighting in the Lord in that moment and your heart desires something else, that becomes really bad news. Just ask Adam and Eve. There they were, delighting every day, walking with God in paradise, no sin. They had everything that God had provided. It was glorious. It wasn't like the planet you and I are experiencing every single day. It was without sin. They had everything, and it was all theirs, and they walked with God in the purest sense, in the holiness of who they were and who he is. And then there was a day where they were no longer delighting in the Lord in that moment, no longer delighting in God's provision, but falling for the lie of the enemy. And it says that when Eve looked and saw that the fruit was what? Desirable to the eye. That all of a sudden she delighted in that and she took that into her life and the rest is human history Romans chapter 1 you don't have to turn there I'll put the verses on the screen talks about how when you don't delight in the Lord but you delight in something else God will give you those desires as well verse 21 says for even though they knew God they did not honor him as God now these weren't people who had no awareness of who God is or what God has designed or what God had declared these were people who were familiar with truth knew there was a God but they did not honor him as God nor give him thanks but they became futile in their speculations and in their foolish hearts their hearts were darkened professing to be wise they became fools they exchanged the glory of the incorruptible God for an image in the form of corruptible man and of birds and four-footed animals and crawling creatures watch this verse 24 therefore God gave them over in the lust of their hearts to impurity so that their bodies would be dishonored among them God says is that what you want to delight in is that where you want to go you, you think you're wise you think you got it better than what I understand and what I know is best for my creation then I will give you what you so desire and in that you will reap what you sow verse 25 for they exchanged the truth of God for a lie they worshiped and served the creature rather than the Creator who is blessed forever amen for this reason God gave them over to degrading passions so the Lord will allow you to experience the desires of your heart but the promise that we find in Psalm 37 is a warning to us to make sure that our hearts are delighting in the right things because if we give our hearts over to anything outside of God, that will only destroy us, even though we may desire it. He didn't get you there into that mess. If your heart was far from him and you desired or delighted in something else, it's amazing to me how I've seen people who say, well, I wanted this all my life. I, I, I was going to pursue it no matter what, and I delighted in that, and, and I wanted that. And God turned them over to that, and then when they experience that destruction or that devastation, guess who gets the blame? God does. And God has clearly warned and said, no, delight in me, delight in my ways, and delight in my word, and I will give you the desires of that heart. There's some today that may need to own it and say, you know what? I was delighting in other things. There may be some today that need to learn from it and be able to acknowledge and say wow I, I missed the boat and I shouldn't have gone there and I realize that now and there are some who need to repent 
of it. Delighting in something else other than God's will for your life. Proverbs 4.23 teaches us to guard our hearts, to be careful, to be cautious. More than anything else, that we should guard our hearts. Look at this. The writer of Proverbs says, watch over your heart with all diligence. He speaks of a, of a high energy. He speaks of a high passion. That we should be diligent. We should be concerned and passionate about watching over our hearts and what we delight in. For from that source, from the source of your heart and the delight of your heart flows the springs of life. So how do we delight in the Lord? How do we make sure our heart is delighting in Him? Well, that's what this song or this psalm is all about. Let's go to verse 1 and let's look at the good news of how you can have the delights of a godly heart. Verse 1, he says, So don't fret because of evildoers. Be not envious towards wrongdoers, for they will wither quickly like the grass and fade like the green herb. David here begins by reminding us that we can easily be deceived in our perspective about the good life. The American dream, which for many people sometimes can become a nightmare as they delight in their materialism or they delight in their freedoms or they delight in their own way instead of the ways of the Lord. They come to discover that that so-called freedom has actually put them in a place of great bondage. They are thinking that the good life is found outside of the rule maker. That's how they see God. That God is a God that wants to put us in a box, and God is the one who doesn't want us to have any fun. And if I'm going to experience a good life, i got to go for the gusto. And i got to go for that life, and i got to do what everyone else is doing because they look happy, and they're having fun, and they don't have any restrictions. What they don't understand is that while sin may be pleasurable for a season, it always fades, it always withers, it always comes up empty. And yet we can be deceived. We can watch all the commercials and we can see how glorious life is as long as you have a can in your hand or you get to pull a slot or you get to do this or you get to do that. And man, they're living it up while you're going to church on Sunday morning. They seem to be living unfettered lives and enjoying the good life, but their lives are crumbling and their lives are falling apart. It's an illusion. An illusion the enemy tries to get you to look at with your eyes like Adam and Eve in the garden. And it looks so good and it looks so desirable. And he's trying to draw your heart away from God and into destruction. So we get to verse 3. So he goes on and says that when our desire is his desire, everything changes. Look at verse 3. So he says, so trust in the Lord. Do good. Dwell in the land and cultivate faithfulness. I want you to look at verse 3 there again and take some notes and note the three things that David said need to be a reality if you're going to delight in the Lord. Number one, if you're going to delight in the Lord, you first have to start at a place of trust. You've got to trust him. You've got to trust that he knows what is best, that his design was not there to make you miserable, but to actually give you an abundant life. It requires looking to him, looking to him for your sustenance, looking to him for your provision, looking to him for your joy, looking to him for all things, trusting in the Lord. The second thing he says, out of that trust relationship, that you simply do good. What God has laid out is holy and righteous, that you embrace that. And out of that, that that comes the outflow and the action of your life. That requires obeying his voice and his direction. So we trust in the Lord. We obey the Lord. 
And number three, he says, so dwell in the land and cultivate faithfulness. That's where we should dwell. That's where we should reside. And if Adam and Eve had done that, if they had simply resided in that one truth, don't eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, we wouldn't be in the mess we're in today. There would be no COVID to block us out and to spread from past week that would knock us out from gathering together as a church today. There would not be funerals that I would oversee and proceed over because people have experienced death. But it was because it was desirable to the eye to live outside of God's word and they were found to not be faithful. As you look at those three things today, where do you struggle the most? Do you struggle in the land of trusting God? Do you struggle with wanting to do the right thing? Even Paul struggled with it and said, I know what's right, and many times I don't want to do that. It's a human struggle. Or do you struggle with being faithful to what God has declared to be right? Well, it's important to know that if you're in the right place, at the right time, with the right heart, verse 4 says, God will give you the desires of your heart. The challenge is, not always do we have the right heart. The challenge is we're not always in the right place or the right frame of mind or the right desires. That is the big problem. So if you're in the wrong heart with the, in the wrong place, you will get the wrong result. Let me give you a picture of this. This is reality of a Texas road. You can see it in the next slide here. I don't know if you can see it real well. If you look down to the bottom of the screen, hopefully you can see the outline. While it is a weak image, there you find a critter that was in the wrong place at the wrong time that ended up with the wrong result. And that isn't just for critters, that's for you and me as well. Matter of fact, we have an illustration of that in 2 Samuel chapter 11. If you hold your place, see if you can find 2 Samuel this morning. And let's go back and look at a history lesson that we refer to often because it was listed out there for all of us to learn from David's mistakes. The very one who wrote Psalm 37 is the very one that's written about in 2 Samuel chapter 11. Take a look at it, verse 1. It says this, It happened in the spring. It was at the time when kings go out to battle that David sent Joab and his servants with him in all of Israel. And they destroyed the sons of Ammon and besieged Rabah. But David stayed at Jerusalem. Now, as you read this, you take a look and you see that now David, who is leading Israel and has fought many battles and many wars, including a battle against Goliath, has had victory after victory after victory after victory. He was in the right place at the right time with the right heart. And each and every time, there was victory. But now he is aging in his career as king and his life on earth. He's starting to coast spiritually, emotionally, and physically. And he gets to that point, like many of us have arrived at, maybe not as much energy as we used to have. I was watching this room full of those VBS kids all this last week, and I went home semi-depressed. Lord, why do I not have half the energy that I see in that room? A different stage of life. And so he draws a conclusion that it's okay to just coast. I've been faithful. I fought my battles. It's time for the next generation to go. No, we never retire until we take our last breath on this earth. But he decided to play it safe and stay at home, and it looks like it's working. He sends out his army, and they have victory. And I'm sure he's sitting back and saying, man, this is okay. I'm in the right place. But he wasn't. He was 
where he shouldn't have been. And because of that, we find verse 2. So he's back in Jerusalem. He can't sleep for some reason. He gets up in the middle of the night and he takes a walk out on the top of his castle. And when evening came, David arose from his bed and he walked around the roof of the king's house. And from the roof, he saw a woman bathing. The woman was very beautiful in appearance, desirable to the eye, if you will. Verse 3. So David, David in that moment, a man after God's own heart, fell on his knees and said, God, forgive me and God help me in this time of temptation God deliver me from all evil and he went back into his chambers and he was given victory in the moment that's what you would expect from a man after God's own heart and yet it says that David verse 3 the next day sent and inquired about the woman what do we see going on we see David was in the wrong place he should have been a battle he should have been with his army but he stayed home. He's in the wrong place. We also see he's got the wrong heart because instead of delighting in the Lord and the Lord's will and the Lord's ways, we now find David living after the delight of his eyes. His flesh has now taken over the throne. And while he sits on a throne over Israel, his flesh now sits on the throne of his heart. And now he begins to pursue what he never should have pursued. Now we see him in the wrong place, with the wrong heart and so when he began to inquire about this particular woman he found out that her name was Bathsheba the daughter of Eliam the wife of Uriah the Hittite well that should have been enough information that should have been enough to put the brakes on he should have never gone there in the first place but as soon as he finds out this is a married woman that certainly should have caused his heart to get back in alignment with God's word Matter of fact, it's interesting as I've been reading through Genesis in my quiet times, how many times pagan kings would never go near a married woman. And even when Abraham would deceive them to make them think that his wife, his beautiful wife, was his sister. And they would find out later of Abraham's lies. They would become furious and say, why would you set us up like that? They knew that that wasn't anywhere you should go. And yet we find David continuing to pursue the woman we know as you go through the rest of the story that not only did he pursue her not only did he have her but he would have her husband murdered at the battlefront to try to cover his sin and to continue to go darker and darker and darker being in the wrong place at the wrong time and if David can delight in the wrong things so can you and so can me today guard your heart Today, look at the heart and, and do what the psalmist said, God, invade my heart, search me, search my heart, and show me if there's any wicked way. If David would have done that, David would have had the best victory of his life. Instead, he had one of the greatest defeats. Why? Remember the three things of verse 3. Number one, we're, set, we're taught to trust in the Lord. It requires looking at the Lord. Instead, David looked to a woman. And I believe that it was out of that experience that he returned back to God in repentance and learned the lessons that we now see in Psalm 37, verse 3. Instead of looking to the things of this world or looking to another relationship or looking to what was pleasing to the eye, he learned that I must trust in the Lord and the Lord alone. I must look to him and nothing else. The second thing he recorded in verse 3 is that we're to do good. 
that requires obeying his voice and trusting his direction instead of pursuing a married woman verse 3 or the third point was to dwell in the land of faithfulness but in this moment because he delighted in what he saw he became an unfaithful man unfaithful to his wife unfaithful to his God who called him to holiness and so out of all that David learns and now as he is coming to the end of his life he gives us Psalm 37 go back to verse 4 now so as you trust the Lord as you do good and you dwell in the land of faithfulness now that you are delighting yourself in the Lord there's your context he will give you the desires of your heart verse 5 commit your way the Lord trust also in him and he will do it so what is David teaching I want us to dig a little bit deeper in verse 4 and I want to look at some key words the first word I want you to see is that word delight delight it speaks of our hearts passion actually in the Hebrew that word delight speaks of being overwhelmed in luxury it's like going to some fancy the fanciest hotel you can find and and they have isn't it bizarre how how they have found the right sheets and the right pillows and the right mattress that none of us can have in our own homes and you show up in that room and you just fall into that bed and you don't want to get out for the next year of your life the luxury of that moment what David is saying is you can look to the world you can look at what evildoers are doing and how they seem to be partying and living it up that can look luxurious to you that can look great to you that can look opulent to you and yet it is bankrupt the abundance is found in who God is and what God will do in your life the abundant luxury luxurious benefit of the Lord it's found in him and nowhere else there are many today that delight in knowing they're not going to hell God has saved me from my sin and they delight in that fact and they are thankful to the Lord for their salvation and yet they are not delighting in him delighting in the promises delighting in that provision but not delighting in Jesus not coming to a point of being overwhelmed with who he is and what he does when I walk in the center of his will Jesus addressed this issue and when he was standing in front of the audience he says do you understand that there's an enemy who hates you a thief who comes to rob you he comes to steal he comes to kill he comes to destroy he was speaking of the enemy of your soul but Jesus said I have come leaving my luxurious throne coming to this sin torn bankrupt world why that you might have life and have it how abundantly abundance the abundance is not found at the casino the abundance is not found in a larger bank account the abundance is not found in more square footage the, 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 the abundance is not found from anything in this world even the prettiest of ladies or men or jobs it's found in Christ Jesus our Lord and so we get to verse 8 and he says I delight to do your will now my God your law is written in my heart you see when I delight in the Lord I find joy in now this is gonna sound bad forgive my fatherly puns 
but you will find joy in the light, the light of his word, the light of who he is. And as you delight in the light, you find what you're looking for. So today, if you're not delighted, today if you find you're struggling, today if you're discouraged, it's because you're not in the light of who he is in the light of his word. For Psalm 1 verse 2 says, his delight is in the law of the Lord, his word. His law, he meditates on it day and night. We delight in the light of his word. First Samuel 2, Hannah, having been blessed after a season of darkness and, and not being able to bear a child, now God blessing in that moment, she would sing and pray this. She said, my heart rejoices, delights in the Lord. As my heart rejoices in the Lord, he is my horn, and my horn is lifted high. My mouth boasts over my enemies, for I delight in your deliverance. And as we read through Scripture, we find that the Lord delights in those who delight in him. Proverbs chapter 12, verse 22 says, Lying lips are an abomination to the Lord, but those who deal faithfully are his delight. Just declaring I love the Lord, that can be a deceitful statement. You can speak it, but that doesn't mean that it is the reality of the heart. But he says, those who are faithful, those are the ones he delights in. Proverbs 15:8. Sacrifice to the wicked is an abomination of the Lord. But the prayer of the upright is his, listen to this, delight. I was doing some research on the sermon and read about when Dallas Theological Seminary, one of the strongest seminaries in our nation, down in Dallas, obviously, Dallas Theological Seminary, established in 1924. In the early days of that seminary, they were struggling, and a group of creditors threatened to foreclose on the seminary. Well, Dr. Schaefer, who was then president of the seminary, called many of his supporters and his board together to pray. They were coming to a deadline when there was a debt to be paid that if they didn't pay it, the seminary would close. There among those that were gathered was Dr. Harry Ironside. You may know him as H.A. Ironside. He is a great Bible scholar and one of my heroes that I look to often, a great preacher of the day, and he was a part of the prayer meeting. And as they were praying and crying out to God in that moment, as they were realizing this is about your kingdom, Lord, and we're asking for your provision, Dr. Harry Ironside began to pray and he said, Lord, your word tells us that all is yours and that you own all the cattle on all the hills. And Lord, I'm just calling out to you to sell a few of those cattle and send us the cash. Sounds like a crazy prayer, doesn't it? Sounds a little unique. And yet he had learned that what God had declared and what God had promised, that that's who God is. And he simply was praying God's word. Well, as they continued to pray, all of a sudden the door came bursting wide open and in walked the secretary to the president with a check. A check that had just been dropped off by a Texas tycoon who had just sold two trailer loads of cattle and didn't know what to do with his profits. He walked in and laid the check on her desk and said, the Lord has told me that I need to give this to the seminary turned around and left, never knowing the prayer that was prayed. As she handed the check to Dr. Schaefer, he turned to Dr. Ironside and he said, Harry, God sold the cattle. God desires or delights 
to meet the needs of his children when they are delighting in the Lord and when they are calling on the Lord and walking with the Lord and experiencing his will, not theirs. Proverbs 11, verse 20. It says, The perverse in heart are an abomination, Lord, but the blameless in their walk are his delight. So as we look at verse 4, as we think about the promise that God will give you the desires of your heart, it ties back to us delighting in the Lord. And as we delight in him, the Bible says he delights in us. So I ask you this question. Is the Lord delighting today because of your heart? Do you bring delight to him? Or do you need to get some things right with him? Verse 6. When you do that, when you commit your ways to him, and when you return your heart back to his, he says, I will bring forth your righteousness as the light and your judgment as the noonday. Rest in the Lord and wait patiently for him. As we see all these promises, we also have to understand there's a process. That while our hearts need to be returned back to him, while our hearts should delight in him, our hearts also have to rest in him. That means sometimes waiting on the Lord. That means sometimes a, a process of God growing your heart, God restoring your heart, and waiting patiently. The spiritual gift of everyone in this room. Can I get an amen from nobody? Sometimes you got to wait. But he says, do not fret because of him who prospers in his way. Lord, I've been waiting, and Lord, I've trusted him, but God, why are they prospering and I'm not? Lord, why do they seem to be well? Why did I get COVID and they didn't? Why am I struggling? Why did I get laid off? And that guy that cheats on his expense report still has the job. Don't be looking in the wrong direction, but wait patiently on the Lord. Don't get angry. Look at verse 8. Forsake wrath. Don't fret. Don't, don't try to experience it up here. you got to experience it here. If you try to figure it out in your brain, you've already lost the battle. Delight in the Lord. Yeah, but well, I don't care. Paul, when he was in prison, wrongfully, never tried to figure it out in his head, but he continued to praise God and delight in the Lord in his heart. Joseph, when he was thrown back into prison again and when he did the right thing and he didn't do what David did he could have easily caved in to a beautiful woman Potiphar's wife but he didn't he did the right thing delighted in the Lord and it still got him a prison term he didn't try to figure it out here he continued to worship from here for evil do evildoers will be cut off but those who wait for the Lord they will inherit the land Drop down to verse 23, and we'll close with this. I want you to see the result of delighting in him, not just receiving the desires of your heart, which now is aligned with him, but even more. Look at verse 23. For the steps of a man, a righteous man, it's speaking of one who is delighting in the Lord, the steps of a righteous man are established before the Lord, and he delights in his way. And when he falls, now notice verse 24 doesn't say you'll be a perfect person. doesn't mean that you won't take some missteps. It doesn't mean that you won't trip up. But it does mean you are pursuing the Lord with all your heart. And when he falls, he will not be hurled headlong because the Lord is the one who holds his hand. I have been young and now I am old, yet I have not seen the righteous forsaken or his descendants begging bread. 
all day long. He is gracious and lends, and his descendants are a blessing all day long. Verse 39, and the salvation of the righteous is from the Lord. He is their strength in time of trouble. The Lord helps them and delivers them. He delivers them from the wicked and he saves them because they take refuge in him. David was able to say, there was a season in my life where I stumbled. There was a time when I pursued other things. My heart delighted in something else other than God. But God didn't leave me in my sin. And God didn't leave me because of my sin. He was faithful. And like Paul would say, Paul would say the same thing. The one who begins a good work in us is the very one who completes us. Praise God he completed David. Praise God he completed Paul. And I pray that you'll let him complete you wherever you are in your journey today. Let's pray with every head bowed and every eye closed. We're not going to do a come forward invitation today, this Sunday only. But I still would invite you, whether you're in this auditorium or whether you are worshiping with us online, to respond to God with what God's word has said to you. The Bible says his word will not return void. That as it goes forth, it will accomplish the purpose with which it was set forth from God. Whatever was spoken to your heart today, how would you respond in this moment? Do an inventory. Do an inventory of those three things that David pointed to. And, and as you look at those things and you're reminded of what it means to delight in the Lord, let me ask you this question. Are you trusting in him? Are you looking to him or are you looking somewhere else? Maybe you need to say, God, forgive me. For there are things that are desirable to my eye right now that are wrong that are not righteous. God, forgive me and restore my delight in you. Are you doing good? Are you honoring his will and his ways? Or do you need to repent? Are you dwelling in the land of faithfulness? Or do you find that you've taken a detour? Maybe you need a church family, a place where you can grow spiritually. You can Indicate either online, you can email us at ministry at pcbc.tv or you can use one of the old-fashioned communication cards in front of the chair in front of you. And you can say, I need somebody to call me and pray with me. I have questions or this is my commitment today. We'd love to minister to you and to help you. So reach out by email or on that card. When we dismiss today, if you're here, you can drop those cards off in our offering bins and we'll be sure and contact you this week. How do you need to respond today? And whatever that response is, I'm going to pray for you in just a moment. But more importantly, God wants to know the desire of your heart. You ought to pray to him right now from the quietness of your heart to his. And share with him, God, I desire for you to be fresh in my life right now. God, I desire for you to forgive me. God, I desire, fill in the blank. Tell him your desires and he'll do it. Lord, thank you that we can come boldly before your throne of grace in our time of need. Not because of anything we've done, but because of what you've done through the blood that you shed on a cross for my sin, for our sin. And Lord, we now come before your holy presence, crying out for your holy will to be done in our lives. God, may you answer 
the prayers of your people this morning. Thank you, Lord, that we have that promise, that when we delight in you and you alone, you give us those desires. And Lord, if that we're not where we need to be, God, do whatever it takes to get us there. Take us by the hand that you hold and lead us. Restore us. Fill us. Grow us. And we'll give you the glory every step of the way. For we ask it in Jesus' name and for his sake. And all God's people said.